Thanks for joining us for today's edition of Lessons for Living. His word so fresh in our hearts abound. His word made flesh in the here and now. A new life is beginning. Lord, let us hear your lessons for living. Lord, let us hear your lessons for living. God designed you and me to need a shepherd. So when Jesus looked out... He saw these people spiritually as sheep without a shepherd. It was a disaster. They had no teachers. They had no guides. They had no one that cared for them. And Jesus knew they couldn't survive in this world. Jesus knew they needed protection and love. He knew they were masses of people that were simply spiritually needy people. They were without God, and they were without a relationship with their shepherd. People in the world are so lost. They're trying all kinds of ideas, hoping to find an anchor for their souls to keep them from being completely shipwrecked on the shores of life. They're trying to think of something that will help them make sense of the world and their place in it. Pastor Mark will be teaching about Jesus, the solution to their problem. You'll hear about the state of man spiritually and how Jesus came to remedy the situation. You'll learn that just hearing about Jesus isn't enough. You have to put what you've learned into practice every day to make you a stronger Christ follower. Remember, there's quite a few ways to receive a copy of Pastor Mark's teaching. We'll be sharing all that information with you at the close of today's broadcast. Now, here's Pastor Mark in the Gospel of John chapter 8 as he begins his message, The Sticky Lab. Turn to Mark chapter 6 in the Bible, and God is going to teach us some interesting things. How many of you remember in your studies, whether high school or college, some kind of a lab that you were in, a chemistry lab or a biology lab? How many remember that? Good. Well, what was the purpose of those labs? Well, the purpose of those labs was for some of you to drive you absolutely crazy, And then some of you that like to just tear animals apart and find out what's inside, you love that. Well, I was more in the chemistry part. We did the animal thing, but I was more in the chemistry part. The reason for a lab is very simple. You take the written textbook and all the pictures, and then you have to go into a lab with some people. And hopefully you had in your little team, you didn't do it by yourself, you had a little team. And you hope you had really, I always look for smart people on my team. How about you? Did you? That's right. If you were the dead weight, people knew it, but whatever, you're going to be there. What did you do? You took the words, you took the principles, and as you did the experiment, whether it's chemistry or an animal or whatever, what'd you do? You put it into practice. You took the words off the paper, you put it into your hands, and you began to do those kind of things. In pharmacy, we had the animals and we did all of those things. Toward the end of my training, it moved up. It wasn't tearing animals apart. It was actually giving drugs to animals, mostly white mice, and then testing the result 
of the drug. Because as you know, before you get a drug, as a human, it goes through animal testing. And we did that. So we learned how to apply that which we'd been studying about the drug. Here's what we think it will do. Here are the side effects. And away we went. So that was very informative because it moved you past the pages. It moved you to know by practicing what you had been learning. Well, that's our goal. We shared with you the sticky notes. Every weekend, we have around 10,000 people, usually about 8,000 adults, something like that. If I would say to you that I know that since you walked in, you've been exposed to TB. But because of my medical background, when you leave today, we're going to give every single one of you a prescription. You can take it to the pharmacy, and that drug that we're going to give you, that you can purchase, will cure you of any lingering effects from TB. It will actually stop it right in the process. How many of you, when you walked out of here, would pick up that prescription? Let me see your hand. So the rest of you are what? Dead meat? Seriously, how many of you would pick it up? Come on, be honest now. Every single one of you would. Where would your next stop be if you thought you had TB? Walgreens, farm. We're not after advertising. I mean, you go to a pharmacy, wouldn't you? Walmart, whatever. Exactly. You would purchase it. You would bring it home. How long would it be before you took the first dose? Would you wait till you got home? Probably not. Now, is there anybody here that would take your little bottle and sit it in the kitchen and three days later go, oh, I guess I'm supposed to do something with that. Anybody here? Nobody here. You would have taken the dose before you even got home. Why? Because it is the cure for the disease that you have. Our world has a disease. It's called sin. We're part of the cure. But 5% of you got it. 95% of us didn't do anything about it. Well, we're going to learn today how to change that. You and me together. Turn, if you will, to Mark chapter 6, verse 34. When Jesus landed and saw a large crowd, he had compassion on them because they were like sheep without a shepherd. What does that look like in the real animal world? Here's a picture. It just shows you a sheep, a baby sheep, and the enemies. See, God designed you and me to need a shepherd. So when Jesus looked out, he saw these people spiritually as sheep without a shepherd. It was a disaster. They had no teachers. They had no guides. They had no one that cared for them. And Jesus knew they couldn't survive in this world. Jesus knew they needed protection and love. He knew they were masses of people that were simply spiritually needy people. They were without God. And they were without a relationship with their shepherd. Now, when you look at that, if I say that's a picture of people without a personal knowledge of God and without a personal daily relationship with Jesus, how many 
of those people live in Brevard County today? Would you say 1,000? Or would you say more than 1,000? Way more. Hundreds of thousands of people live here today in our community, our neighbors, our friends, our co-workers, sheep without a shepherd. Well, what's the solution to that? Here it is. It's to put a shepherd in their path. They don't know where to go. They don't know that people care for them. Our goal at CCM is to make you the best loved and best fed sheep. That's our responsibility. That's our privilege. To do that, you guys have to move beyond this, the head. You have to move to the heart. You have to move to the practical. So that's what we're going to learn, how that works today. Now look at that verse 34 again. What's the very first thing that Jesus does? Look at it and then shout it out to me. What's the very first thing Jesus does? What's he do? He teaches them. He doesn't hand out food. He doesn't ask them to come up and touch them. The very first thing he does is teach them. Why would Jesus do that? Well, here's the solution. Jesus wrote it like this. Jesus answered, it is written, man does not live on bread alone, but on every word that comes from the mouth of God. First thing I want you to write for you and for everybody, this is the design, not just for Christians. This is the design for every single person. Every person was designed to live, grow, thrive in response to the Bible, to the Word of God. Jesus, when he saw people that were confused, the first thing he did was teach. What am I doing? Teaching. Now, in a few days, on Tuesday, I'm headed over to the Asian countries. I can't tell you where it's going because it's really confidential and secret and dangerous. You pray for me because I'm going to be ministering to three different groups of amazing pastors and leaders in three different communities. When we get back, we're going to talk about another sign of a growing disciple, fruit in our life, what that looks like, and then how you are to be connected in a church. And we're going to do a little study in Ephesians 4, so you can kind of look at that. That's where we're going to be. Now, here's the problem. When Jesus began to teach, he knew that wasn't enough. You see, Jesus, Jesus would give the Great Commission. And Jesus would say, I want you to take the converts that come, the new believers that come as a result of my teaching, and I want you to transform them into disciples. I'm not after head knowledge. I want you to take the believers and transform them. What I'm teaching is not just information. It's not just forming an idea. It's to transform them into disciples. Let me show you this verse. I'm going to ask you to turn to John 8. Notice this. Don't waste time arguing over godless ideas and old wives' tales. Instead, train, exercise yourself to be godly. So I'm to learn this process of transformation. There's going to be people involved in my life that are going to... We don't do that alone. That's why you just don't have one person up here today. We do that in a group. We do that here. We do it in small groups. We do it in our family. We do it with God in the morning in our quiet time. It's that transformation that God is after in our life. Not just information. It's a lifelong process of becoming what Jesus called 
a disciple. What are those exercises? Well, it's Bible study. It's coming to church, obviously. It's prayer. It's meditating on the Word. So you can actually get in the lab. Today, this is a sticky lab. We're in a lab to learn how to apply the information that comes into our mind. So let's go to John 8, 31. Jesus kind of summarized what I just said to you. John 8, 31. Jesus had been speaking, and some Jews began to believe. Notice what he says. To the Jews who had believed him, Jesus said, interesting word, if. Why would he say if? Because spiritual growth is always an option. The person responsible for your spiritual growth, bottom line, is you. It's always an option. You can exercise or not exercise. You can start exercising and then get away from it. Or you can do it as part of a habit. If you hold, abide in it, stay in the word, obey it, continue to apply it, sticky. If you obey, stay in it, continue to apply the word, Move it from information to begin to transform you. If you hold to my teaching, the word of God, notice, then you are my disciples. And that's what we've discovered is our churches are filled with converts, either baby Christians or carnal Christians. There's no real spiritual growth. There's no fruit. But Jesus says, no, 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 that's not where I want you to stay. Because this process of winning a convert and then training that person to become a disciple, they're to turn around that third prong, they're to turn around and go out and do the same thing. That is the cycle that changes our world. And it gets broken, it gets stopped because people move from information and that's kind of where they stop. They don't simply obey anymore. Now, where does that spiritual growth come from that Jesus is talking about? Here it is, write it down, right here, take a look. Spiritual growth comes from exercise. It's that discipline. A disciple is a lifelong learner under discipline. It comes from that exercise, that discipline, and then stick it. Getting that information from your head to your heart, to your hands, to your feet, to your mouth, moving it. Now, here's the problem we have. As you and I are in the Word, it begins to stick to who we are. But there's an enemy. The reason it requires discipline is the world, Satan, and my old sinful nature, laziness, wants to be against that. So the other enemy that I have is the world. And the world wants to squeeze me into its mold. That never stops. This should never stop. And that's what we want to learn today how to get that word into my life because hearing the word is not enough, reading the word is not enough, taking notes about the word is not enough, knowing the word is not enough. I must exercise spiritual discipline. Now, all of those are good, but I must personally put it into practice in my life. Unless that happens, I'll never really become that disciple that God wants. And then I will block that cycle that God has designed to win the world. We don't win the world with brand new converts. They have a start in it. 
They're always, even Philip had a start in it, inviting a friend. But long term, that new believer can't teach somebody into discipleship because they haven't been taught yet. Someone has said this, in our life, there's three phases. We need to be taught. Then we learn to teach each other the things of God. And then we teach others. Where are you? Could you teach others how to become a disciple? That's the goal. So here's what the last thing I want you to write right now. Continuing obedience, application, stickiness, that is a great sign of discipleship. Our goal here is to make your life sticky. By that I mean that you learn to exercise yourself in the reading and knowing and applying the Word of God on a daily basis. That's our whole goal for you. You have to be in the Word on a routine basis. If you're not in the Word, if you're not opening the Word at home, not here, if you're not opening the Word at home and taking quiet time to go and here's what it says and then apply what you learned this week, the world will squeeze you into its mold. There's a million distractions out there for all of us. Now, there's no way to get sticky if you're not in the Word of God. That's a huge problem with Christians. The only time they're really in the Word, at best, is in church. Then the rest of the six days, the Word isn't part of us. So that's why our challenge uh, to you uh, this weekend. Now, I just got back from Israel, and there's a place in Israel that you can go. It's called the Temple Mount. It's where the Jewish temples were in the old days. Today, the Muslims occupy it. When you go up there to take a tour, there's two mosques up there. You cannot take a Bible. They forbid you. They will take it away from you or send you back down. But when you go up, there's a picture that I want to challenge you with. Here's the picture. What you see are many circles of Muslims. The ones you see here are simply the women, but there's many men. And they're there every morning. And what do you think they're studying? They have a book that they're studying. What do you think it is? It's the Quran. It's open. They're studying it. They're applying it. And because they're sticky, latest report in the United States, the fastest growing religion in the United States, Islam. Christianity, way below that. Now, why is that? They have learned to get sticky. They have learned to apply it. They're winning, discipling, and they're going everywhere in our country and around the world. While we sit, and 5% of us will even open the Word of God. And then we say, why is our world becoming like this? Well, that's because we have the truth, Satan knows it, and we just simply get distracted. We get lazy, all of us. Our goal here is to get you sticky, to wake you up and understand the pastors can teach, but you have to apply. I can't apply for you. I can't exercise for you. I have to exercise for myself. You know that sometimes a pastor doesn't even want to teach? We're human. 
but I definitely want to teach today. Now, I want you to turn your Bibles to Acts chapter 4, and I want you to see Jesus' disciples that really for three years didn't get it. When Jesus says, follow me, what he really means is, follow me and I'll make you like me. Well, it didn't really happen initially with the disciples. Actually, it took until Pentecost for them to begin to get it. Look at Acts chapter 4, verse 7. Background, Peter and John had just healed a man. He had been lame his whole life. And because of that, they were thrown into jail by the Jewish religious leaders. And here comes the question. They had Peter and John brought before them, and they began to question them. By what power... Or what name did you do this? In other words, how did this man who was lame get healed? Look how Peter responds in verse 8. Then Peter, filled with the Holy Spirit, said to them, Rulers and elders of the people, if we are being called to account today for an act of kindness shown to a cripple, and are asked how he was healed... And then Peter begins, notice what he says, then know this, here's your answer, you and all the people of Israel, it is by the name of Jesus Christ of Nazareth, whom you crucified, but whom God raised from the dead, that this man stands before you healed. Peter begins, and he basically says, the answer to your question is Jesus. The reason for a changed life is Jesus. The reason for any eternally changed life is Jesus. There's no other name you're going to see. There's power in that name. So what Peter does, he says, as he goes through this, notice, whom you crucified, but God raised from the dead, this man stands before you. He doesn't just say, well, the answer is Jesus. Oh, by the way, you crucified him. But he's been raised from the dead. This is pretty bold. Where'd that boldness come from? Filled with the Holy Spirit. Look at verse 11. He is the stone you builders rejected. He came to be the foundation of the Jewish religion and the Christian religion, but you rejected him. But he now has become the capstone. And look at this verse. Salvation is found in no one else, for there is no other name under heaven given to men by which we must be saved. Peter says, not only did Jesus heal this man, but there's no way for you in your dead religion to ever find life. There's only one name. His name is Jesus. There's no name under heaven. Salvation, forgiveness of your sins, will not come from sacrifice. It came from the sacrifice of Jesus. Now, let me ask you a question. Is this the same Peter who had denied the Lord three times 50 days earlier? Is this the same Peter? It's the same Peter. What happened? It clicked. The light came on. He got it. Thanks for joining Pastor Mark today on Lessons for Living. If you'd like to hear more from this study, you can find additional teachings online now at calvaryccm.com. We know that this time in our world is uncertain, but one truth remains steadfast. God is in control. During this season, we encourage you to spend time in the Word, in prayer, and in the presence of your Creator. 
As with many churches across our nation, Pastor Mark and the Calvary Chapel Melbourne community are holding church online. The church isn't the building, it's the people who despite whatever obstacles are in their way, they still worship Jesus and praise his name. We'd love for you to join us. Visit calvaryccm.com live or join us over on Facebook, YouTube, or Roku. We'll be having services on Saturday at 6 p.m. and Sunday morning at 8.30 and 10.45 a.m. We look forward to worshiping with you in this way until we can be gathered together as the body once again. We also know how essential prayer is during this time, and we want you to know we're constantly lifting our listeners up to the Lord. Is there anything specific we can be praying about for you? Let us know by visiting our contact page at calvaryccm.com. And would you do the same for us? Please keep Pastor Mark and our church staff in your prayers, along with our nation's leaders and those affected by this virus. Thank you for praying. If you feel led to support Lessons for Living financially during this time, we would be very grateful. You can donate online at calvaryccm.com. That's all for today. Join us again for another edition of Lessons for Living. in a hurry.